Okay, let's, we're in uh, 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at a few verses today. Five verses, actually. Uh, we're going to look at verses 4 through 11. We're going to talk about the importance of love. Now listen, guys. We've been going through this book, and we're really getting ready to wind down here. We've probably got maybe five or six more weeks here. And notice, I want you to notice there's a pattern to what John is doing, okay? He, in one sense, he warns them about false teachers and false, uh, false prophets and so forth who would be teaching them wrong things, especially concerning the person of Jesus Christ. And then in another sense, he's wanted to talk about the way they live their lives. And he's always fluctuating between two different things. He's talking about that they're, you know, if they're, whether or not sin is reflective of their life, and if it is, then there's a question about whether or not they really know Jesus. And then in the other sense, he's always talking about the issue of love and about if you don't have love, you don't know God, you don't know Jesus. If you're not showing love, if you're not loving each other, there's a problem there. In fact, these verses right here in verses 7 and 11, he's going to talk about the importance of love again. He's going to hit that issue of love. Now, I'm going to let me just stop for a moment because I think we've, We've almost lost that in our whatever issues that we're fighting for or whatever we're going after or whatever. It's almost like we're missing the main points of what the gospel is telling us. And the main point is, is what did Jesus say? By this shall they know that you are my disciples. By your political stand? By this, that, or not? No, by your love... For one another. Somehow we've missed that. And in fact, you know, I've I've been a believer now. This is about 28 years now. I've been a believer in Jesus Christ, and I've met some pretty mean people in church, haven't you? But they're okay. Well, they haven't read First John. Okay, and that's what we're going to do right now. So we're going to we're going to basically divide this passage up into three sections. We're going to see an exhortation in verses seven to eight. We're going to see the whole issue of love experienced in verses nine to ten, and then he's going to give us a conclusion, I believe, in verse eleven. So let's look at this passage together. Look with me, verses seven through eleven. Let's read this together. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this is the love of and, and in this was the love of God manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, and not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Okay, so let's talk about the exhortation. First thing we're going to see there is that we need to love each other. So here's what he's doing. He's going to call us to action. John tells his readers to love each other. Bottom line. All right, so let me just stop for a moment. I want you to write there on your paper, in the margin, this is not an option. This is not an option. 
you know, I have teenagers, and, and when I tell teenage, my teenagers to do things, maybe you guys have the same experience. If you don't, please come talk to me and tell me what I need to do right. But my teenagers sometimes, when I tell them to do something, somewhere in their brain process, they think I'm, it's one of many options. It is optional what I'm telling them to do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Am I by myself, or is that normal? Okay, it's normal. Okay. All right, well, let's stop for a moment. John may refer to us as little children, but he doesn't want us to act like that. He wants us to understand that this is not an option. You have to, he's calling us to, love one another. Period. You don't have a choice. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you, you're called to love. Now, here's what he's saying. The ultimate source of love is God. Because some of you might be saying, oh, man, George, yeah, I understand he's calling me to love, but have you met so-and-so? He's hard to love. Well, you know, I just find it hard to love people. I understand that. But the source of love is God himself. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells you, you already have within you the capability to love because it is God who gives you what you need to love other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if you're struggling or whatever, you need to say, God, God, help me to love them. God, help me to show love. Okay? Because I'm not a loving person or something. Because the ultimate source of love is God. Now let's move on here. Our love reveals that we're born of God. Do, do you know what I'm saying? I, you know, here's the thing. Lip service means nothing. Okay? Simply saying, I love Jesus. You know, and I go to such and such church. Baloney, hogwash. That doesn't mean anything about you being a Christian. Reality is John has been telling us that it is what you do that expresses the reality of who you are as a Christian. Now, you don't do for your salvation, but your salvation should be expressed in how you live your life and whether or not you're doing what God's calling you to do, and specifically in this area, whether or not you're loving other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whether or not you love other people. Okay? So our love reveals that we're born of God. Now, here's what a lack of love shows. Okay, now pay attention, because if you might be here, and you might have a lack of love, now here's what the lack of love shows. A lack of love shows that there's no relationship with God. All right, let me just say this. I don't care how long somebody's been going to church. I don't care how long they say they name the name of Jesus. I don't care how long... I don't care what position they hold in the church. I don't care how many Bible questions they can answer. But the reality is, if they're mean, they don't know Jesus. They don't have a relationship with him. You cannot have a growing relationship with God and be a critical, backbiting, mean-spirited person. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not possible. It is not possible to have an interaction with the living God of the universe who, in his love, sent his son to die for you and be such a mean... I mean, you know what I'm talking about. We've met them. 
It's not possible. Because here's the thing. Lip service means nothing. It's your actions. Now, isn't it interesting? There it is right there in black and white. But for some reason, we ignore that. We ignore it. Okay? So, the other thing is that since God is love, our interaction with Him will be impacted by Him. Since God is love, our interaction with God is going to impact us. Do you understand? That's what the, that's the point of the passage, the, 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 uh, point I'm making here. This is the, the essence of what I'm saying here. Is if you're interacting with God, you're going to be impacted by that. And what you're going to be impacted by is, is that number one, I'm just going to reveal who I am and my need for Him and that I'm not perfect and never going to be perfect. But it's also going to reveal that if it wasn't for His love, I'm nothing. Did you understand what I'm saying? So, this is the reality here. So a lack of love shows that there's no relationship there. Okay? No relationship. Anybody got a question so far? I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. What, what, what's the thoughts? Anybody? Yeah, Scott. There, there are some scriptures that talk about that it's... It, yeah, you're not phrasing it right, but you're getting the principle. The point is, is that there are some scriptures, I don't know the reference off the top of my head, that it's easy to love people like yourself or within your own family groups. It's You have to go beyond that and love others. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's easy to minister to people like yourself or to hang around to people like yourself. But we need to go beyond that. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? We need to reach beyond that. And And I'll be honest with you, it is easy. That's why, like, for instance, we're in Western PA here. Oh, excuse me, Western Central PA. We'll go over about five miles to the Continental Divide. Then we're in Western PA, okay? But anyhow, with you folks, I've noticed you are very clan-oriented. You do things with your clans. Have you noticed that? It's always with your family units. You do stuff with your with your family units. You maybe do stuff with the church. But if you're going to do stuff with people... You're going to do stuff with your family. That's why reunions are so big in our area. How many of you have been to reunion already this year? Okay. How many got many more reunions to do? How many are waiting for winter when reunions will be over? Okay. For this year. Okay. All right. So the reason why is because we're so clan oriented and it's easy. This is what I found when I, you know, I've been here 12 years as your pastor. It's easy for you to be there. For your family, or somebody in your family, or extended family, you're there. It's not that easy to get out of your family unit. Have you noticed that? I mean, it's not even an option sometimes. You're not even thinking that way. And so, we have a tendency, especially in our area, to only think in terms of people who are like us. And to be honest with you, that's not just a tendency in our area, that's a tendency, a human tendency, period. And we don't like new things or different people, okay? So, and and really we need to get beyond that is what the gospel is calling us to. The gospel is calling us beyond that. And we're going to see who our example is here in a moment, okay? So let's talk about love experience. Look with me at verse 9. In this, 
The love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that he, that we might live through him. In fact, that is our example. Here's what we're going to see. The manifestation of love. John points out that to his readers how love was expressed to him. So here we're going to see how love was expressed to him. Okay, and you're going to notice that God didn't just verbally say, I love you. Okay? He did something in action towards us. And here's what he did. Love was expressed through God sending his only son to the world. Now think about that. We are in no way like God. God is perfect. God is love. He's holy. He's just. And if anything, we're the ones who rebelled against him. We're the ones who couldn't care less about him. And basically... What's going on here is is that God and his love for us, showing love for us, went if we could say that, went beyond his comfort zone and sent his son to us to die for us. That's love. Is for him to send his son to die for you. Now how many of you would do that? Like I got three sons. I love you guys. But I'll be honest with you, I ain't giving my sons up for you. Do, do you know what I'm saying? You wouldn't do that either. Do, do you know what I'm saying? But God did, because he loved us. Okay? God did, because he loved us. So, he goes on then, and here's what he's talking about. He's saying about the initiative of God. So, this is love towards us, God sending his son. But he's also going to talk about the initiative. God did this so that believers might live through him. The reason why he did this is so that you and I can have a relationship with him. Often, and, and, and here's the thing, the scripture refers to what God did for us as a sacrifice by sending his son. That's not normal. I mean, we've got parents here. How many of you would send your son willingly to make that kind of sacrifice? Would you? But the closest thing that we have is parents who send their sons into the military or daughters into the military and make that ultimate sacrifice. Because that, even in our culture, that's an ultimate sacrifice, isn't it? So, okay, let's go on. Let's, let's notice the initiative here. John tells his readers that his love was not in response to their actions. So let's stop for a moment. I want you to grasp this. When we talk about God loving you and sending his son for you, it is not in response to your actions. So God's love isn't based upon whether or not you do the right things. That's not the way his love works. It's not based upon whether or not you do the right things. He loved you first in spite of you. Okay? Does everybody understand that? If you want to, you can write that down on the side. It's in spite of you. It's not based upon your actions. Because he's taking the initiative here. He's loving us first. God took the initiative because he first loved humanity. He's the one who loves humanity. He takes the initiative. Even in our rebellion against him, and our not wanting to have anything to do with him, he pursues us. So he's taking the initiative here. This is what love is. This is why he wants you to understand. And so here's what he said. God sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's what propitiation means. Propitiation means the atoning sacrifice. 
that through his sacrifice, our sins were atoned for, and the wrath of God towards us was satisfied. The wrath of God towards us was satisfied. So then now we get to verse 11. Well, let me just stop for a minute. I need to make sure. Does everybody comprehend? Anybody have any questions about that? Because oftentimes in church circles and in Christian circles, we, we sometimes get this, comp, we get this kind of thought process going on that God's love and acceptance of me is based upon what I'm doing. And if I'm doing the right things, I'm okay with him. But if I'm not doing the right things, I'm not okay with him. And so oftentimes we think in terms of God's acceptance of us, acceptance of us based upon what we're doing. That's not true. What John's trying to tell you is, is that this is how great the love that he had for you. He took the initiative first and loved you in spite of you, not because of your actions. Okay? So anybody got a question about that? I want to make sure we all comprehend that. It's not about you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't do anything. You understand your salvation, if you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, has nothing to do with you. It has to do with what Jesus did for you out of love. Does everybody understand? So in spite of you, he loves you. Now, that's hard for us because we live in a merit-oriented society. Everything is merit-oriented in humanity. Do you know what I'm saying? You've got to earn your way. Do you understand? Like if you're going to get a bonus at work, if the boss ever gives you a bonus, it's because you, quote, what? Did what he wanted you to do or more. Okay. And sometimes some of you do more, and he never gives you a bonus. I understand that. But, but I mean, if he does give you a bonus, you know what I'm saying, it's a merit-oriented thing, right? You don't ever see them, well, maybe in government they do this, where they give some guy who's lazy a bonus, okay? But uh, you, you don't see that. Um, you don't see that normally. And, and it's from, from we little that we learned that. What do you mean? Like, remember, little Johnny, if you're good when we go to Walmart... I'll buy you an ice cream over at Meadows. You know what I'm saying? And so Johnny's trying to be good until you go by the toy section. Mom! You know, remember the ice cream? Did, isn't that, that's what we live in, right? Did you know what I'm saying? We live in a merit-oriented society. Now, we try to transfer that over into our relationship with God. But, guys, I'm going to help you understand, it's not based upon you. It's not. It's based upon him and what he's done for you and his love for you. That's what's so awesome about it. Now, because of that, we get to verse 11, and he kind of concludes this all. Look with me at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, here's what he's saying, we ought to love one another. Now, here's the point he's making. Since God loved us this way, we ought to love others as well. You know, here's, here's the thing. If God could love you and I that way, he's saying, if I could love you that way and, and, you, and, and you experience my salvation and my forgiveness and my acceptance of you, Here's what I'm expecting from you, God's saying. I'm expecting you to do the same thing towards other people. Now again, write that, that right on the side of that. It's not an option. 
Well, George, you just don't understand who they are or what they've done. You're right, I don't. And here's the point I want you to understand. It doesn't matter. What you and I are told to do is not conditional. Because God's not conditional in his love towards us. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not conditional. We want to make everything conditional. Have you noticed that? We want a, we want an option. And so we want to write people off. Now it's easy for us, like we were talking earlier in our, in our discussion with Scott, it's easy for us to, to love only a certain people and not love other people. That's, that's really not an option. Because God loved us, we should love other people. And, and I want you to think about it. Think about your reason when you say, well, you don't know who they are or what they've done. Okay, great. I understand that. So let's use your logic and apply it to how God should act towards you and I. If we can't love other people, and he's calling us to love other people like God loves us, if we can't love other people, then what if God acted towards you the way you're acting right now? Would he still love you? What do you mean? Like, well, let me just stop for a moment. You know, here's the thing. Coming to church, we only see each other for an hour, and we maybe see each other. We always got our best face on, but the reality is, is we don't know each other's junk, do we? And we don't need to. This is not a junk sharing time. We don't know each other's junk. We don't know each other's stuff. But here's the reality. The reality is, is that he loves you in spite of your stuff. Right? He takes the initiative. And to be honest with you, that's what we need to do. And especially if they don't know Jesus, how are they even going to begin to understand the love of Jesus if you don't love them? Did you know what I'm saying? You've got to get out of your comfort zone. God got out of his comfort zone for you. This is the point he's making here. Because if you don't show this kind of love, the question is whether or not you really even know God yourself. Does everybody understand? 